This is a podcast from Rover. Hugh Van Kallenberg with us via Google Meet. Hugh, a very good morning to you. Morning, boys. How are you doing? Very well. Uh, July 2nd, Bruce Mason Centre, Auckland, the Resilience Project, an upcoming live event uh, giving Kiwis a chance to learn about positive mental health strategies. It's what the show does a lot with. It's what the show is all about. So, Hugh, for those um, thinking of maybe buying a ticket, heading, heading along, what is the Resilience Project? Well, I hope I. I feel like no one has any idea who I am in New Zealand, so it could be a very lonely night just me and the Bruce Mason Centre. <laughs> you and Bruce. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, could just be Bruce. <laughs> he's a good oh, guy. Yeah, also, he's, he's a good guy. I mean, we're we're not that established in New Zealand. It's yeah. not actually a theatre. It's literally just Bruce Mason's house. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who, who's who's done your booking, but yeah, um, yeah. a real stitch up once you get here. Yeah, oh, well, I, I I really hope Bruce Bruce is a good bloke. He's a good guy. Minute, yeah, um, yeah, good court, dude. So, okay, yeah. good, yeah. good. Yeah. Um, so so the resilience project really came about because of my little sister Georgia. So I guess I mean everyone listening to this right now will know. I mean, with the rates of mental illness at the moment around the world, and in particular in New Zealand and Australia. With the rates right now, everyone everyone knows it's either you yourself who's really struggling or it's someone you're really close to, someone you love. And all I try and do in my shows is just give a whole list of, well, I tell a lot of stories and often I ramble a lot and I shouldn't say that, (laughs) trying to promote my show. Um, I I tell a lot of stories and the point is really to try and give people practical strategies of things they can do every single day that will make them feel like really easy, simple stuff that will help them to feel happier, improve their mental health and then to cope better in a challenging time. And I haven't met anyone yet who has, who has kind of said, yeah, I didn't mind 2020. I didn't, find it that, I didn't find it that challenging at all. So I feel like it's stuff that we all need right now. And, and, and I care about this because of my little sister, Georgia, who when she was 14 was diagnosed with a mental illness and it was bad. Like it was a, it was awful. We went, we went from being a very happy family to a very unhappy family pretty quickly. And um, that's why I've all, always cared very deeply about mental health. So tell me, Hugh, um, about the <clears throat> excuse me about the people that you've worked with professionally. Like you've got you do these shows, but then what do you do at a say a, a corporate level or a, or a sports psychology level? Or I, don't, I mean, I don't want to use the word psychology, but at that level, where no, you work with professional teams. Well, today is a is a great example. So I've, I, after this chat, I'm um, I'm heading to a school in Brisbane. So I'll do um, a whole lot of sessions for school kids. Um, so that's two sessions for school kids. And then later in the afternoon, I'm working one of, with, with one of the AFL football teams over here. We've got an hour-long session together. Um, and then um, tomorrow, I've got a corporate session, which is I'll go in and speak for an hour for, for all those groups. Um, and then we leave them with a whole lot of resources. So most people will leave with a journal, which is like this 21-day journal, so they can just kind of fill out. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I can practice this stuff like every single day. The thing is you can't. With mental health, you can't just like go, yeah, I hope it's good. I, I'll, I'll, you've got to practice. Like, and so we give people the practical strategies, things you can practice that are easy and they're also really enjoyable. So, um, yeah, it's 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 every group's very different stories, obviously. But, yeah, it's corporate, school kids, elite sport. It's, it's all those. Yeah, it's a whole wide range of um, groups, I suppose. Hey, it's um, Bryce here, mate. Great to have you on the show. You won't be aware, but those listening a lot will. Last three years, just to give you a quick background, last three years we've done big fundraisers, 
to raise money for counselling through a setup here called I Am Hope. We've raised nearly $900,000, which has just been used purely for Kiwis 25 and under to access counselling, right? Because the numbers are so bad and, and that money gets used every year. The thing is, right, we have a, a really big audience of guys and a lot of girls, um, and some will be listening now, that don't fit the criteria to get that counselling. So I guess what I want to ask with such a big male audience um, and, you know, with our talk about mental health, what is your biggest piece of advice that you have maybe for guys listening mm. or girls listening that are currently battling but might not have the money to access counselling per se or, you know, they're just in one of those funks of yeah. everything's a little bit mm. hard at the moment and not feeling great. What are some yeah. easy things to, to try and start to do? Well, first of all, $900,000, that is an extraordinary effort. I mean, that is <laughs> – you guys should be doing the talk at the Bruce Mason Centre, not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that is so awesome. Um, so here's what I would say, I reckon. Is that, so there are two things I reckon most guys struggle with. So number one um, is gratitude. So that's when you just pay attention to what you've got, not worry about what you don't have. And so many of us males have this feeling like we've got to achieve this, we've got to do that, we've got to be this kind of person – um, we need to, you know, if I, we, we say to ourselves, if I buy this car, then I feel happy. Or if, if we buy this house and live in a, in a home like this, then we'll feel happy. Or if I get this job, I get this promotion, then I feel happy. There's nothing wrong with wanting those things. Like they're, they're normal things to want, but we attach our happiness to it. We say, if it happens, then I feel happy. Mm. Um, and so, um, gratitude, well, happiness really comes from joy, comes from paying attention to what you already have. And we have got so much in countries like New Zealand. We got, but we miss the things we have all the time because we're too busy focusing on the stuff that we don't have. Um, the second thing I think males need to understand is that um, vulnerability is a strength. It's not a weakness. Like we just, we feel like when we're battling, we have this mentality of like, oh, well, I've got to leave my shit at the door. No one can know about this. I've got to be like stoic. I've got to be tough. It's it's bullshit. It does, sorry, I don't know if I can swear on this, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work. We yeah. can't. It, and the reason it doesn't work is because we keep it to ourselves. It gets worse and worse in our head. It, we blow it out of proportion in our head. We tell ourselves these like untrue stories. And then, but when you actually find someone, like one of your really good mates, or it could be someone in your family, your partner, whatever it is, and you actually tell them what you're going through, you stick your hand up and say, I'm actually battling at the moment. That's when things start to get easier for you. But the more you keep it to yourself, the harder it gets. So being vulnerable. And having, I mean, there's a guy I work with in Australia, right? He's a, he's a really famous AFL footballer. He's the biggest, scariest man I've ever seen in my entire life. His name's Charlie. And with, I was working with him and he told me about his depression and how bad it was. And I said, oh, have you told your teammates this stuff? And he said, um, no, nah, I'm not going to tell them that. I said, why not? And he said, because my job's to be like the really tough bloke. I don't want him to think I'm weak. And I said, Charlie, if one of your teammates said to you, I'm struggling with depression, would you think that was weak? And he said, no, nah, I think it was quite courageous. I said, why is it different for you then? And it took him about six months, but eventually he stood up in front of the group and he told them, he wrote him a letter to tell them what was going on inside his head. I've never seen anything like it in my life. He had 40 men in the next like 20 minutes, give him the biggest hug, get around him. We we're having lunch later that day at the club and one of the boys had his arm around him the whole time and he just had tears streaming down his face the whole time. He said, it's the most powerful thing I've ever done in my entire life. Yeah. So we've got to get over this this mentality of, oh, I've got to hide it. It's not, it's, you know, it's, 
it, it's okay to not be okay, and so many of us are not okay at the moment, especially with what's happening around the world. Sorry, that's a very long answer. No, nah, <laughs> no, you're fine. No, no it's uh, good. my question on the back of it, right? What if per se though you like some of our listeners would be in isolated spots? They could be say, I oh, know our numbers are really bad for rural um, sectors in New Zealand yeah. in terms of say you you you're secluded, you're not around people, or the people that you have told haven't given you very good answers, like they have told you to harden up, or they have told you she'll be right, mate. What if you've been, you know, you've tried to yep. reach out like a lot of people do, and you're still in that place? Is there a quick, you know, bit of yeah, information? Yeah, su- like, such a good question, Bryce. We, we, um, so I did this program a couple of years ago for a community called Claremont in Australia, which is, it's four hours west of like Cairns. So wow, what I'm trying yeah. to say is, it is absolutely in the middle of nowhere, right? Yep. And we, we had this night at the pub. We organised a night at the pub. So they got to get all the blokes that came got a free jug if they listened to me talk. <laughs> Great. <laughs> packed. That works. And so, as you can imagine, the room was heaving like it was packed. And everyone was there going, when's he going to start? When's he going to start? I want to start drinking. And so I was like, oh, <laughs> do you know what? Just give them the jugs. We'll do, I'll, I'll do the talk while they're drinking their jugs. And these blokes, right? They were the, I started talking and I said, actually, I don't want to lecture you. What, what do you guys want to hear about? And we started talking about this fact that a lot of them, their, their neighbours like an hour away. Yeah. Like they live an hour, like yeah. their next door neighbours an hour away. Yeah. And they're saying, if I'm not feeling good, I can't mm. like I can't just drive an hour. Yeah. <laughs> to go and and I, and so the conversation we had was, well, like be proactive with it. Make sure that you are scheduling scheduling two or three times a week where you are actually going to be around other people. And maybe that's not the time that you actually tell them what you're going through. Maybe. You get there, you just go, nah, I'm not up to it today. I don't feel strong enough, whatever. But just schedule, like, have a group of two or three blokes who you have an activity that you just do two or three times a week. So whether it's going and drinking a jug, I mean, I shouldn't be promoting drinking, but if it leads to, you know, talking, I think it can be not the worst thing. But whether it's having a kick of the footy, whether it's, like, having a coffee, whatever it is, just have a group that you schedule an activity with. Maybe it's once a week. And that, use that as your opportunity. If you are particularly struggling, you don't have to say, this is the issue we have. I think a lot of us, we go, oh, I, is the wording I have to say, hi, guys, just so you know I'm not okay. No one's going to say that. Mm. Just look for an in. Like when someone says, how's the family going? If it's you're having issues with your partner, you say, yeah, we're, do you mind us, we're struggling a bit? And then ease your way into the conversation. And the other thing, it goes the other way. Like if you have a feeling a mate of yours is not okay, like if you have an inkling that something's not quite right, mm. You don't have to say, are you okay? Just like say to them, oh, we should grab a beer sometime. We should have a coffee sometime. And then when you catch up with them, chip away. Don't go straight to, are you okay? Like something like, how's work going? How's the family going? How's your partner going? And you just keep chipping away until you hit on an area where you can tell that they need to talk. And then you just listen. Tua, that's, I mean, th- these are these are obviously really handy because our male audience uh, are in situations that are very similar. Maybe not the... Um, not the location and the distance between neighbours, but there are a farming community out there that mm. really do struggle, and there are great people who are doing work with farmers. But you're, I'm interested to talk to you about when you went to India and you came back mm. in 2008 and how you see how people live in India, and I've only been once and I only got a microcosm of what a slum is like. But wh- wh- how do you compare what people in India who have barely nothing mm. have compared to what people in Australia and New Zealand who have way more? How, you, how that works into your, yeah. your thinking? Uh, such a good question because I, I mean, that's what changed everything for me was going to India. And I I remember like um, well, there's so many moments where my life shifted, but the one in particular is where I ended up teaching and volunteering in a village. I was just there as a teacher and 
and uh, I had no money, right? And they said, oh, um, so you can live with a principal for two weeks as a volunteer and we'll give you three meals a day. And I went, oh, you beauty. I did no more research into what the place is actually like. And I nearly turned around and got back on the plane when I found out that there was no running water. So you go down to the river, like oh. you go and sit in the river for your, for your shower. But you also, that's the same drinking water they use, right? So you're going to go and boil that water if you want to drink it. There's no bed, so you, so you lie on the floor and sleep on the floor. And I remember getting to the school just going, um, like, you know, <laughs> I got there thinking, I'm not going to stay for two weeks. I'll do a couple of nights. And I met these kids, right? And I remember sitting in their classroom in the middle of the desert. And after about an hour with them, I remember thinking to myself, never, never in my life have I ever seen joy like this before. They're like, this is out of control. These people are so happy. And I'm sitting there going, because I went there going, I should be able to help them a bit. I'll, I'll teach them a whole lot. Mm. They taught me so much more than I taught them. Maybe because I'm not the best teacher in the world as well, but <laughs> honestly, I just I just learned so much from them because they had nothing. They sleep on the floor. They walk half an hour to get their water. No electricity. I've never seen joy like it. And for me, that was a pretty simple lesson in like, I mean, there was so much stuff there. Did you talk about raising $900,000 before? One of the things they did was they were the nicest people and the kindest people I've ever met. They were always doing things for each other. They were so well connected. We're not that connected in our community anymore. I mean, I shouldn't speak mm. about New Zealand. I know in Australia we're not as connected as we should be, right? Something goes wrong with our next-door neighbour. We don't even know about it. Mm. Well, I, I, got, I got sick one night when I was over in India. I had this weird thing happen with my – it's a long story, but it looked like I was pregnant all of a sudden. And um, I had pretty much half the – it was happened at 3 o'clock in the morning. I woke up in this horrific pain. It was pretty much half the village were with me for the next two hours of the morning because – Everyone knew and everyone steps up and everyone gets involved. You just feel so supported. And I learned so much about community and connection off these beautiful people. There's some great stories. And this is why you're on stage. How long did you say your speech was? Because you could talk for hours on stage with Bruce. Mate, it's, it's, I don't know, like Sydney the other night, I did an hour and 20. Yeah. Last night in Brisbane, I went two hours because people just kept wanting me to keep going. And exactly. I was like, no, I'm exhausted. <laughs> but it kept going. So I don't know. What it, It's sort of around anywhere between an hour 15 to sort of an hour 45, I guess. But... But I love New Zealand. I, I'm so obsessed with New Zealand. I have a huge crush on Trent Bolt as well. So I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> well, I mean, we can't wait. It's going to be you on stage. Bruce Mason Centre in Auckland. It's July 2nd, The Resilience Project, which is also uh, the name of the book as well. Hugh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Hugh. Uh, and we'll have to Thank get you, you in the man. studio when yeah. you are actually here. Oh, I would love that. I'll bring Bruce in as well. Yeah, great, man. Uh, uh, for, for any of the information as well, you can visit livenation.co.nz.